It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, I'm joined again by Richard Stamen at Mavsdraft on Twitter. Can the 2022 NBA draft class surpass that of the 2021 NBA draft class? Who will be competing for the top pick in this year's NBA draft? Who should that team take with the top pick? A top 10 list, way too early. Can't hold them accountable for this early top 10, but we want to give one to you anyway. We have so much draft content for this episode. Stay tuned for that. It's brought to you by Thursdays on the Lockdown NBA podcast, hosted by Jackson Gatlin of Lockdown Rockets and Matt Moore of Lockdown Nuggets. They're telling you whose NBA stock is up, whose NBA stock is down. Follow the Lockdown NBA podcast today on YouTube or wherever else you get your podcast from. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I do like what your magic are building, though. I mean, Jamal Mosley, I think, is a really good coach. I like Cole Anthony, kind of, that, that for the regular season anyway. I mean, Terrence Ross, Wendell Carter Jr. They have a lot of names. I'm not sure how good the names will be, but they do have a lot of names uh, that could uh, elevate themselves, or so to say. Now, you didn't mention the Pistons in that grouping. What's your expectation for the Pistons and Kate Cunningham? Yeah, they're another team who they're probably going to be the worst team that's not um, – that's – a better how do I wear this that's in that group so I feel, I see there's tiers to the Eastern Conference right I, I don't have the exact idea yet but I mean you have the eight teams that are going to be in the or I guess nine teams that are going to be going to be largely competing for the same spots um within tiers of themselves but and then you have 10 through 14 which are pretty much to me they're all going to be competing for that 10 spot um it's going to be close and I see Detroit in that and the only again the only team I don't see in that mix is Orlando I think Cade Cunningham is that good I think they'll probably be the 14 or 13 seed. It just kind of depends on health, but they'll make some noise. They'll probably taper off. Who knows what they look like with a hopefully improved Killian Hayes. That's, that's the biggest thing for them. And Cade Cunningham, I mean, is good. Like I, I genuinely think the same way Luca got the Mavs to, I mean, they weren't a playoff contending team by any means in 2018, 19, but I mean, that's a, that's a guy who you could tell that was winning basketball right away. They were in games. And who knows? Who knows how they close? So I, I think Detroit will be bad, but not like tanking bad. They're going to be like somehow competitive bad. Yeah, the Mavericks team was in a lot of games. And if they were kind of built a little bit better, maybe they could win some more. They won 33 contests in that game. I mean, that season. So I like that comparison of, of Cade and Luca in terms of their season and, and rookie production, team production. Now, I didn't, I didn't prep you for this ahead of time. So it's okay to say no to this question, but what we know now, we know every single rookie's team, every single rookie's coach, and every single rookie's roster around them. And so that might give us an idea of how they're going to be utilized just on the surface, or at least how we would utilize them. With all the information we have now, is there anybody 
who you're higher or lower on now as a prospect entering the rookie year than you were, say, four months ago when we didn't know all that, all that information? Yeah, I mean, Kuminga, the Warriors, is a tough one um, that I'm lower on now. I, I really just wanted him to go somewhere where he had all the freedom to mess up and not being able to mess up in Golden State kind of worries me. Um, the other one, someone who I've now grown on so much higher is Davion Mitchell in Sacramento. I absolutely love that fit. I think it's one of the best fits of the entire draft. I don't think it was a problem to take him in nine, even though I had him very low on my board, I think I'm going to quickly regret my decision to put him in the low twenties. And, uh, I, I guess high twenties, 20, I had him like 28. So I, I think I'm going to be very wrong on that just because he fits fantastically in any lineup. He can probably play in a three guard lineup where with Halliburton and Fox and he fits their defensive needs badly. Like he's going to be a day one impact defender. And I think his slashing will translate. I probably just overthought him too much, but those are the two guys who I see a lot of change. in. so the Bay area is getting a lot of change in terms of draft stock. Then one more thing that can kind of throw this NBA season for a loop is the Ben Simmons debacle saga, whatever you want to call it. Now, I've said on this podcast that the Thunder should not go after Ben Simmons. I think that that's pretty clear. I do not expect them to go after Ben Simmons. I do find it more interesting, the conversation around Ben Simmons. I think it's very rare that we have a player in Ben Simmons who we know is a talented basketball player. We know can do it all in the regular season. We know can be an all-star in the regular season. But if your goal is to win championships, he can't help you do that. Even as good as he is, I don't think he can help you win championships. The counterpoint to that would be, well, we've never seen him in a roster that's built for his skill set and is able to work around him. He's had to work around Joel Embiid. So I think for a team like the Timberwolves, who just want to simply reset their franchise, get back to the playoffs and sustain success and not give a damn about championships right now, just worry about being respectable. It's a good move to make, but for a team on the cusp of a championship, maybe it's not the piece that's missing to get you over the hump. How do you evaluate Ben Simmons and how do you manage those two extremes of he, he's a great player. We know he's a good player. He can, he's a, a no doubt basketball player. That's really good. But also he has these glaring deficiencies. Do you give him that benefit of the doubt of building a roster more conducive to a skill set, Or you just say, look, this is who he is. It's who he's always going to be. He does not seem to want to improve his game. And so you only trade for him if you want to just simply make the playoffs and do nothing else. Yeah. I mean, the best way I put, I heard it put was, you know, his problems get amplified after the first round, right? But so people say like, oh, this team, no one can trade for him, but also only like eight teams exist after the first round. So I, I think his room to be traded is wider than anything. First of all, than people are giving him credit for. I think teams are much more willing to take him on. It's just hesitancy more than actual wanting him uh, and saying, Hey, is this legit? Cause you know, Andre Drummond fell off quick and could Simmons have a fall off? I mean, he's what 25 by now, 24. And I personally don't see that, but for me with Simmons, like you said, he's helped be part of a build around, not the other way around. Like Embiid was being built around Simmons was not Simmons was the clear, like you said, like they built, they used him to build around Embiid and, and in times it did work. It's just, it was exploitable, but you need the right roster around him. Like you, if there's only one spot where I think his problems actually don't get amplified that much and that he actually fits everything. I don't know why the trigger hasn't been pulled already. And it's the obvious one. It's Portland. Him with Damian Lillard is ideal. Like sure you lose some scoring and, but 
we don't know what Portland is going to do now because their entire offense, their entire game plan really was score as many points as possible, have two good defenders on the, maybe three on the entire team and hope for the best. And then you go, you go from that to an entire coaching philosophy change. You can trade CJ McCollum for and punt some scoring, add some major defense and playmaking. And to me, I think that's how you use Ben Simmons is you get him with guys. I mean, the whole lineup can pretty much shoot except for Nurkic. And even then he can shoot up to 15, 20 feet. I think there's room for him to be used. Ideally, the best way, but this is physically impossible, the actual other best team for him would be Dallas, where Porzingis and Luka would be ideal. You can use those three interchangeably in any lineup, and having a stretch five is probably a must. So I know I said Nurkic can only shoot for like 15, 20 feet, but it's the start. I mean, like Embiid was a, was a stretch five to an extent, and that's why it worked for as long as it did. Is this going to be a case of the Sixers taking a step back this year to take a step forward eventually? Or is there a package out there that can keep the Sixers as a Eastern Conference Finals hopeful or even NBA Finals hopeful with Joel Embiid because he's not getting any younger? So I think that it, it's a neutral move for the regular season, no matter what they do. Say it's CJ for Ben Simmons. I don't think the, the I don't think their season changes much in the regular season. And the playoffs, though, when we've seen them go cold and it's like if Embiid's out and they're cold, I mean, who are they relying on? Seth Curry, Furkan Korkmaz, sometimes Tobias Harris. That's just not the best unit. C.J. McCollum would be a really good go-to scorer who could, you know, be a microwave at times. And I, I think that's really the best way for them to do it. But the regular season, it's pretty minimal impact. It's the postseason is where you would see the major swings. So uh, one last question about this actual NBA season, we're going to dive into the draft. And this is going to go back to the Thunder here. Myself and uh, Kelsey O'Brien was able to report on this, that the Thunder were going to bring in, are going to bring in Paul Watson Jr. to a two-way contract. And then they have released Josh Hall, which opened up the move to bring him on to a deal. Do you have any feelings on the Thunder releasing Josh Hall and bringing in Paul Watson Jr.? What can you expect from Paul Watson Jr. on the two-way deal? And with this two-way deal now, including Paul Watson Jr. on it, and then also Aaron Wiggins on the two-way deal. Will the streak stay alive with the Thunder converting two-way players? Yeah, I mean, I think Andrew, or excuse me, Aaron Wiggins will um, will see his contract eventually get converted one way or another. So I'm not too worried about that. I am sad to see Josh Hall go, but I mean, the unfortunate truth is if he can't shoot, it's really hard to stay in this league. And he shot 10% from three. So it's really hard to justify him, you know, being around on that two-way when you have other options and it was always better. I don't think Paul Watson is actually a better prospect personally. I don't think that was a great move, but also it's a two-way contract and the turnover of that position is uh, that roster spot is ridiculous. So not really even worth getting diving into and saying like, Oh, they should have done this. This is going to hold us back, you know, but I am sad to see Josh Hall go in short. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another device that lets you stream your favorite shows. You've got sport highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's DirecTV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. 
Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And the Thunder do want to bring back Josh Hall on training camp deal and try to add him to the blue, but you know the, the, the sources are informing me, so to say, that uh, the the NBA as a whole, there's, there's other teams interested in bringing in Josh Hall, and so... Uh, maybe he'd go in a different direction, even though the Thunder want to bring him back. But speaking of the blue, uh, the G League is back. No more bubble. It's going to be a full season, a wacky season. You're going to have a November, December lead up to the regular season that features the Ignite team. They play two games in Oklahoma City, uh, and then you're going to have a showcase cup, and then you're going to have the real regular season. So safe to say a ton of G League games will be played, including the Thunder playing in the uh, same arena as the blue. They're going to play both the Paycom Center, which sets up about 14 double headers uh, or 15 double headers where you see the, the blue play in the morning or afternoon and the Thunder play at night. So that'll be a ton of fun for fans to kind of be in and around Oklahoma City during those games at the Paycom Center. But what what does this do for everything? I mean, for the Ignite team to play 14 actual games as you travel around and be a professional athlete for the first time in your life and then enter into that December 19th through, through the December 22nd uh, showcase cup that the G League's going to have. What does it mean for the Ignite and their prospects? And also for these individual teams who have two-way guys, who have a guy like Josh Hall who could be snuck back on the blue roster and that could develop into something. How important is the G League and what do we lose last year by not having it or, or not having it as normal state? Yeah, so I mean, the G League, I think, is essential for development um, to the NBA. And when you have these top prospects being able to compete against grown men, you know, prospects who were first round picks, late mid second round picks. I mean, there's high level competition. These guys know what, you know, how to play and they're just, these guys have been in their situation too. So it's, it's big And the roster. I don't think it's as good as it was last year. Um, They have Dyson Daniels, Jaden Hardy, who could go number one, Scooter Henderson, Henderson, excuse me. Um, They, they have a good roster, but, and it's going to be fun to watch. It's not what it was last year, but the, the thing for the G league is a lot of these teams last year, this last season didn't even elect to play Dallas. For example, the Texas legends did not participate in the G league bubble, multiple other teams as well. And having that ability, it's, it's a big development piece, right? So like if you have a two-way player, but you don't have a, like the Mavs have this Tyrell Terry, for example, he wasn't a two-way player, but for when he played with the Memphis Hustle, what, how were you able to control what he's working on? He's just kind of there playing his own game and adjusting to everyone else, which I guess is a development thing in and of itself. But you, you're not able to prioritize what you want as a franchise without having that direct line of communication. Because it's weird to go through Memphis and say, hey, by the way, could you get him to do like, you know, this, this and this? And, and it's just not as simple. It's not as smooth. And that's what you miss out by having a G League team. So I, I think this year, though, having those developmental opportunities, and like you said, for Josh Hall, he can play against these guys and show, hey, I can hang with top prospects 
I'll give him the test. Like being able to give these top guys, young guys, a test is really important. And that's a good skill to have. Cause I mean, you can probably give NBA players a test too on the defensive end or wherever it is that you're working on. And the Thunder heavily value the G League. So the Raptors and other teams and Mark came from the blue. So he understands the importance of it. And the Thunder have had a great track record of converting two way deals, which mainly goes back to them playing with the blue. Although last season was a bit wacky uh, with Moses Brown and company, but this roster features a ton of guys who could see time with the blue. I mean, Charlie Brown jr. Will likely be waived and, and be put with the blue because his contract's non-guaranteed. And they might need that roster spot. Uh, and then you have Aaron Wiggins on a two way deal. Paul Watson on a two way deal. Both those guys will be with the blue to a certain extent this year. And then even Trey Mann. I mean, you look at this guard rotation and, and it could be hard to squeeze in Trey Mann minutes and you might be better off uh, getting some starter level minutes where he controls the show and runs everything through the blue uh, down there as well. I do not think that they're going to send down JRE or uh, Josh Kitty, but they very well could with JRE especially. Uh, but I think that those two guys will be solidified NBA players and get minutes in the rotation from day one. I could be wrong on that though, of course, uh, but the blue will see other players as well. Obviously the G league is back. It's great. And as we enter into the NBA draft talk now, does the G league have that guy like Jalen green or Kaminga this year? Is there a guy that you think could finish uh, the draft process and be like a top five, even top 10 pick? Yeah. I, I actually think Jaden Hardy could be the number one pick. Even he's such an elite scorer and just offensive player that depending on how Jalen green does, I think that's actually and Kaminga, if especially Kaminga really, if those two guys turn out really good in year one, you can you can bet a good amount of money um, that that someone like Jaden Hardy is going to see his stock rise because suddenly you have a whole new perception on how the G League translates. So I, I think it would be Jaden Hardy, not really close. I think he's the lone player who's going to go in the lottery from the G League Ignite, but hard to tell because I actually don't know a lot about the other guys, honestly, that are in there, like Dyson Daniels, Scooter, all those So. Stockwatch, you know, you got to come on an episode of Stockwatch with the uh, with the Thunder talking about stock rising and falling. But uh, who who would be roughly your top three, four, five, ten, whatever you're comfortable with giving us? Just roughly off the top of your head right now. Again, you are subject to change your mind. I promise, Scouts Honor, no clip will be pulled from this podcast about any takes you have wow. in the draft because we're in September. So feel free to just let them rip. <laughs> wow, I so I can call anybody I want. Kevin Durant is how anybody I you want. Wow. Even Kenny well, Chandler. Chet Holmgren is Chet Kevin Durant. Palabon Chet. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, so I, I would say my number one right now, um, personally, I don't trust Chet just yet. I really need him to prove that his weight and just that the play style translates to college. It seems almost too good to be true all around. So he's not my number one. I put Jaden Hardy and then Chet and then Paolo Bonchero. I could see that being my solid top three. Um, Gene Montero, I think he's eligible for 2023. Too. I'm, I'm 99% sure, uh, but some of the international stuff, he's with the overtime elite, I believe. Um, so all that's going to be rocky. Those are my solidified top four. Uh, AJ Griffin is someone who absolutely has to be up there as the top player uh, in the class. He's also going to Duke with Paolo Bonchero. Jabari Smith at Auburn, probably Patrick Baldwin. He's going to Milwaukee, though, and I think his stock is going to fall severely. Caleb Houston showed out for Team Canada in the FIBA games and over the summer. The FIBA shaped a lot of this, by the way. Uh, Peyton Watson at UCLA. And then probably Jalen Duren. I'm not huge high on, I'm not huge on him, excuse me, uh, just because I've seen a lot of his EYBL tape. And my concern for him is just 
you know, he was bigger than everyone. And I didn't see a lot like Chet Holmgren is bigger than everyone. Right. But he also is more skilled than everyone. I didn't feel like the same sentiment was true despite just two inches of, of height and 40 pounds uh, separating the two. I, I just did not feel that way. So I, I think that would probably be most, I think that was 10 players, um, like 90% sure. And then for, I'll just throw in one bet, one honor best returning player is either it's a tie for me. It's Mike miles from TCU. He's a six, one, six, two all around guard. He can do just about everything on the basketball floor at a high level. And then Benedict Mathurin from, uh, Arizona. He is I think he's like six, 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 seven wing who can do a lot. I mean, he is, he's skilled offensively and he's very strong on the defensive end. Going to get hyper-local here. What do you think of Bryce Thompson, 19-year-old from Tulsa, transfers out of Kansas, goes to Oklahoma State? Uh, can he be a guy that splashes onto the scene this year with his play style? I actually don't know much about him. I'm going to be 100% honest. Um, I really don't know much about him to really comment. I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to Bilbo.com, use promo code LOT15 for 15% off your next order. They have so many delicious flavors. Coconut, cherry raspberry, cherry barcia, mint brownie, double chocolate brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My favorite flavor is cookies and cream. You should go order yourself a box of cookies and cream Built Bar. However, if you do not want to take my recommendation, you can order a mixed box. The mixed box will give you two of each flavor. Try them all out, and then you can reorder the flavor you love the most. These Built Bars have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavor, all tasty, all healthy. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. It's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That is incredible. So go check out BuiltBar.com and use the code LOCK15 for 15% off of your next order. Let's say right now, but our good friends over at betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever at betonline.ag. All eyes turn to the gridiron as teams are back to start another NFL season. As always, BetOnline's your number one spot for pro and college football action this season with new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website right now or even on your mobile device and sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's a double your initial deposit just for signing up. Do not forget to use code NFL100 from football, basketball, baseball, boxing, right up to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait. You should take advantage right now of all these amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. Promo code locked on at betonline.ag. You know, I actually love that answer from you because I think that that just opens the door and shows everybody we're not making stuff up here. We've actually watched these prospects play. And if we don't know anything about them, we're not going to just say the corny traditional lines upon every player uh, that you have to say. Now, well, I do want to get let one me, more thing. Let me correct myself. He's a gym rat. He's the first one in. Yeah, gym rat, out. scrappy, you know, does everything <laughs> right. Kind of guy you want to date your daughter, all that fun stuff. But, uh, <laughs> Before we get out of here, uh, going back back to 2K where it all started, uh, I simulated the whole season. The Thunder got the top overall pick. Uh, they also, of course, have the pick from the Suns and the Clippers. And this is the draft class that Sam Presti, because I auto-drafted it, walked away with. 
Let me know how you would grade this and if this is even realistic to happen because maybe 2K underrates or overrates some of these players. So the Thunder get Paolo Banchero, Nikola uh, Jovic, and then Kennedy Chandler, point guard from Tennessee. How would, if the Thunder really do this in real life and, and fast forward a year from now, we're back on this podcast saying that this is on the Thunder roster, how would you feel? Yeah, so Paolo is a win. That is a great pick. Um, I think he's 6'9", 6'10", and can do a lot. I need to see the jump shot be solidified, but just about everything else checks out. Then you got uh, Nikola Jokic's evil t- stepbrother, whatever, like quite literally what everyone says, like, oh, yeah, I saw your evil twin. Like that is, I feel like, the closest thing for Jokic's <laughs> Nikola Jokic from the same country. They're similar-ish players, but not similar at all because all the similarities stop at their tall and can pass. But that's a great pick, too. I've seen people say he's top 10. I actually just did an episode on him with Rafael Barlow uh, talking about how he's one of the top international players and that we could see both of us could see him going in the lottery. So that's a good pick. Kennedy Chandler, what pick did you get him? Kennedy Chandler was had uh, 27th. Eh, I, I won't complain personally. I just worry about his size and just his overall skill set translating through his Scott, his size. So I, I have issues. I personally don't think he'll be a first round pick, but Tennessee recently has been pretty good for prospects. So hard to say, but he's just small. Interesting. Interesting. Actually, that, that's going to be a fun draft time. How, how would you grade this draft? Cause you're going to be back on here. I want to give you some time to look into every player and, and not rush everything. Cause we are a long ways out from the draft and I don't blame you for uh, just now getting back in your groove. Cause I'm back in my groove now too. How would you grade this year's draft overall? And then maybe do a comparison to last year's draft because around this time last year, Thunder fans were excited to lose, excited to think, excited to try to get that top overall pick. Cade Cunningham, the hometown kid from Oklahoma State, you know, all that fun stuff. Should they have the same excitement this year as it looks like another year of player development, another year of maybe a bad win-loss record, but obviously achieving other things on the court than wins and losses? How do you feel about this draft class as a whole? Yeah, I was higher on 2021 than this one at this point in time. Um, the whole Kate Cunningham being the solidified number one. You had Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who had been hyped for quite a while. Um, you had Evan Mobley, who is someone who I was ec- ecstatic to see play. Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. I mean, the top of the class is so unbelievably loaded. And I will say it again, the entire top five could have gone number one any other year. And I just, I don't see that this year. I, I think it's going to be a very nice class. I think it's going to be one where, you know, you still get 25 to 30 really good, what, 25 to 35 really good players. It's just the, at the top, it, there's going to be a gap. You're going to see the 2021 class will probably have five loaded stars, whereas I don't know if the same is true of 2022. That's early, of course, hard to say. But the one thing that'll be constant between the two is the depth. I don't think we'll ever see a weak depth class ever again, just because that's how deep the sport of basketball is. Is there anything that you just know right now that could change your mind? If this or that happens and all of a sudden you do enjoy this class on par or better than last year's class, or will it take something so unexpected that there's just no way to predict it right now? I think the two biggest things would be Chet being everything he's been hyped to be if he dominates college that could make it really interesting because he would be probably one of the very best number one prospects to ever come out uh, just because you have a point center. I mean, like the, the chances of someone hitting at that level. I mean, there's a reason everyone who's listening to this podcast loves Oleksiy Pokachevsky because he's, because Chet is a similar player. That unicorn is the most desired sport 
attribute, like uh, what's the word? Like honestly, combination of just everything in basketball is probably one of the rarest things across sports is having that unicorn and having that hit would be huge for this draft. And then also, I mean, it, it all really does start at the top. I think if you get, if you get that one versus two, almost like a John Morant versus Zion thing, where it's like, you know, Fran Frischella talked about how he was like, I wouldn't mind taking John Morant. It's not a knock at Zion. Just John Morant is really good. If you can get something like that, I think that makes this class so much more exciting where it's like, this is the number one guy, but like, what about this? And it's a legitimate argument where no offense to people who like Jalen Green last year, it wasn't an argument of who should have gone number one. There's an argument, I think, over who could be number one on your board. But I think uh, there was no argument last year, which is good and bad. But I think having that debate between two such high-level prospects would really do it for me. Love this conversation. Glad to be back. Glad that we're both back on the roll now. Itching for that NBA basketball, you know, just to come back and college hoops as well. We'll talk next week about the college scene, kind of what games you should map out, try to watch, try to go to even if you're in the area and all that fun stuff. But for now, Richard, how can they find you? How can they find your work? How can they support all the great content that you provide to the basketball sphere? Yeah, appreciate it. Um, I do Locked On NBA Draft every Tuesday. I am on Twitter at Mavs Draft, and I will be starting putting up stuff on my site, MavsDraft.com. Anything draft-related or NBA-related will go up there, or even college basketball-related. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you again for listening. You at home, subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft. Subscribe to Locked On Thunder anywhere you get podcasts from. It's totally free. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 